Welcome to the Simply Be Podcast, a branding and lifestyle podcast for those who seek to make massive change in their life and their businesses by creating a stronger connection with what makes you, you. I'm your host, Jessica Zweig, personal branding expert and founder of Simply Be. And through these conversations with my incredible guests and my own life experiences, I'm going to show you that the secret to developing a brilliant brand and a kick-ass life isn't more doing. It's more being. Let's dive in. This is a Soulfire production. You're listening to the Simply Be podcast, episode number 74. Well, hello and welcome back to the show, my beautiful friends. How are you feeling in this fine month of October? We are getting clear. In case you're new to the show, I'm Jessica. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Simply Be Agency, personal branding expert, and the author of the soon-to-be book, Be, a no-bullshit guide to increasing your self-worth and your net worth by simply being yourself. My book is on pre-sale right now. You can go get the copy. You won't get it actually sent to you until February, but you can certainly help a girl out in some pre-sale sales and and go buy my book. It's actually on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Goodreads, all of the things. So definitely go check it out if you're preparing to get clear in 2021, because it's going to help you with finding clarity in your message, your business, your platform, and your authentic truth. But I digress. We're going to talk about my book a lot more in these coming months. But today I want to talk about clarity in the sense of clearing your mind. How do we really, really set clear goals? How do we create clear visions? How do we build clear paths and plans? It starts with clearing our minds. It has to. And today I have the phenomenal, fucking phenomenal Emily Fletcher on my show. You guys are going to freak out how amazing she is. She is so embodied. She is so authentic. She's the founder of Ziva Meditation, which I'm going to tell you about in a second. But her energy and her passion for helping people really unlock bliss in their lives, which she says is your birthright, which it is to live in bliss 24-7, she's going to break it all down. And I just think that this is such a timely message now that we are in the month of October, exploring the intention of being clear. In case you're new to the show or you're just tuning in for the first time in a while, I have launched a series with the podcast where each month we explore an intention, a be intention. So last month we were being wild. The month before that, we were being in integrity. This month we're exploring how to be clear in our businesses in our lives, in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds. And P.S., in case you haven't jumped on the bandwagon of my monthly Spotify playlists that go along with each of the monthly themes, my best friend, who happens to be a DJ, she is a genius at curation and music, and she has created monthly playlists that map to the monthly intentions so that you can listen to music as you explore this energy in your own life month to month. And the Be Clear playlist I gotta say, this is the fucking best playlist she's done. So the way that you get that playlist is you've got to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, screenshot that review, DM it to me over on Instagram, and I will send you the private link to that playlist on Spotify. 
Heads up, guys, the playlists are actually, they're not going away, but they're being integrated into something else that I'm launching in November. So if you want to get that list exclusive to you, now is the time to do it. This is the last month I'm going to be exclusively sharing them. So definitely head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave that review, five stars. Takes you two seconds, literally two seconds to screenshot that, send it to me, and you get this two and a half hour playlist that is literally going to move your soul. So I want to get into my interview with Emily because shit, it's just so good. (laughs) This conversation is on fire. She is the founder of Ziva Meditation and the leading expert in meditation for extraordinary performance. Her best-selling book, Stress Less, Accomplish More, debuted at number seven out of all books on Amazon. And at the very end of this interview, in fact, she gives me expert tips on how to have a successful book launch. It was kind of a masterclass that we took a little segue on, and I just selfishly asked her how to do it. And so if you're interested in launching a book or launching anything, really, she gives some master tips, but really her platform and her life has been dedicated to helping other people become high performers. And Emily defines high performers as people who want to leave the world better than they found it. I think that's pretty much you guys. That's <laughs> everyone listening to this show. It's why we're in such alignment, she and I, and why our interview was so beautiful. A high performer is someone who is committed to being better tomorrow than they are today. And sometimes that means learning, and oftentimes it means shedding. Shedding stress, shedding lies about ourselves, and shedding inherited trauma. Emily was fortunate enough to find meditation during her 10-year career on Broadway, where she struggled with insomnia, anxiety, premature aging, and getting sick all the time. Can you relate? I can. This changed her life so dramatically that she left Broadway, went to India, and started what would become a three-year training process to form Ziva Meditation. She's now been recognized by the New York Times, Good Morning America, The Today Show, Vogue, and ABC News. She's been named one of the top 100 women in wellness to watch, She's taught more than 20,000 students around the world and has spoken on meditation at Apple, Google, Harvard, and Barclays Bank. Ooh, I just got the chills. She's a powerhouse. She's taught Oscar, Grammy, Tony, and Emmy Award winners, NBA players, Navy SEALs, Fortune 500 CEOs, and busy parents, probably the hardest job in the world. They've all gone through Ziva. And she's going to break down the Ziva technique today. And I just think that this is such an incredible moment for us as we explore the intention of clear and we find clarity in our brands and our messages and our businesses and our goals. It starts with clearing our minds. And I started meditating years and years ago. And her technique is one of the best that I have found. It's a beautiful trifecta of mindfulness meditation, and manifestation. And she's going to break down her technique in today's conversation. But because she is so awesome, she is offering up a 15-day Ziva challenge to my community at 30% off when you use code SIMPLYB. So I'm going to leave the link in the show notes, zivameditation.com backslash online. SIMPLYB gets you 30% off her course And I have been taking her course too, my friends. And as someone that has been a 
meditator for the last decade. I've tried out a lot of different modalities and techniques and different types of chants and musics and guides. Emily's method is pretty next level. It's simple. It's effective. It's so powerful. And she just teaches it with so much humanity and authenticity. I highly encourage you to check out the Ziva Technique. If you want to find clarity in your mind, your heart, and your soul in this month of October and beyond. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with the founder of Ziva Meditation, Emily Fletcher. I'm so excited to have you. I am genuinely a fan of you. It's really, really cool to be, to be talking to you and to learn more about your, your story and your business. And I really think that everything you stand for and do is so needed right now. It's always been needed, but especially right now. So I want to talk about Ziva. I want to talk about meditation. But first, I want to talk about you. Because yes, you're a meditation expert, but I look at you like an entrepreneur. Mm. You've really built a mega successful business. And a lot of people who listen to me are aspiring entrepreneurs running their own businesses and really, I think, can look at someone like you that's a creative, that's an artist at heart that has built this platform and I think can learn a lot from your story. So can you take us back, Emily? I know you were formerly an actress. So was I. And I did that for a while. But I'd love to know just how you got here. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... You're right. I was on Broadway for 10 years. It's what I wanted to do since I was a little girl. And my last show, you know, I, I thought once I got on Broadway, I would be happy. You know, we all put our, our like pot of gold at the end of some rainbow. And for me, it was definitely Broadway. And then lo and behold, my first Broadway show after I got it three weeks later, it was the saddest I had ever been because I realized I was more interested in the happiness of pursuit than I was the pursuit of happiness. Um, but I just kept pursuing for 10 years and that led to stress and anxiety and overwhelm and going gray and getting sick. So by my last Broadway show, which was a chorus line, I was having pretty insane uh, anxiety and insomnia and going gray at 26 and getting sick. And so long story short, I found meditation and it changed my whole life. I um, didn't get sick for eight and a half years after I learned. I stopped going gray. I'm 41 now. I was 26 when I learned I was legitimately going gray. I have like one gray hair now. Um, yeah, and yes. You look like you're 26. So. <laughs> well, so it's science that's coming out is that well, one, this is really good lighting. And, but two, there is actually some science coming out of Tufts University and um, Wake Forest suggesting that meditation can reverse your body age from somewhere between eight and 15 years because we're basing that on how fast people age that are under what we call a normal amount of stress, which I would argue is not normal. You know, nature did not intend for us to be sick, tired, and stressed all the time. So anyway, I found meditation. It really changed my life. It cured my insomnia on the first day. Like I said, I didn't get sick for eight and a half years after learning. I, my performance got better. I started enjoying my job again. And so I just thought, why is everyone not doing this? I left Broadway. I went to India. I started what became a three-year training process to teach. And then I started my company in 2011. And so I'm almost 10 years in. I went full-time in 2015. And... The book came out in 2019, and that was certainly a big moment. Um, you know, they can people call books like calling cards for your business, and that's certainly what it was. Like, it definitely put me on a different stage. Like, more people start, got to know about the technique and what we teach and what makes it different. And and so then Ziva really grew last year, and and it's been so fun to watch people this year 
you know, as the whole world is changing, because I feel like my role in this whole spiritual game has been to make this stuff super palatable, like to take these esoteric concepts and make them just so relatable, so digestible. What I would joke is that I'm taking the medicine that is meditation and wrapping it in the candy coating of like, hey, you're going to make more money and have better sex. (laughs) Totally. What an amazing sell. Yeah. (laughs) And it's true. Like both those things are true. But I was sort of, it was like a sneaky way in because it's like, even if you come to meditation because you want to have better skin, which some people would judge as like, you know, a superficial reason, it's like, well, you're still going to be nicer. You're still going to become more altruistic. You're still going to increase your state of consciousness. You will have more compassion regardless of your, you know, initial reason to begin meditating. But what's happening this year as the whole world is changing and as we've gone under this sort of like global trauma and this global change of expectation and the people are trapped at home and many people were not working, that it was like, oh, I don't have to put the candy coating on the medicine anymore. Like people know they're like, they're more acutely aware of their stress than ever. You know, we actually have two pandemics happening. One is viral, but the other one is a mental health pandemic. And so it's like, we have to be treating this mental health pandemic with the same level of care that we're treating the viral pandemic because the isolation, the loss without proper mourning, the um, just, you know, the uncertainty of losing a job, the uncertainty of losing your community, like all of those things take very real tolls on our mental and physical health. And meditation is not a panacea. It's not a magic pill but it will cure a whole lot of those issues that we are facing right now as a species. I just got the chills as you were saying all of that. Mm. I I could not agree with you more. I think the physical pandemic of COVID is is absolutely real, Mm -hmm. but I think what will ultimately be more detrimental to us as as humanity is the the mental and emotional and spiritual impact of of this. And I'm a meditator. I fully believe in the power of it. I discovered it a few years back, actually a a while ago, but then I just found my groove with it just a few years ago. And I don't do it every day, admittedly, but I do it most days. And the days that I do, I am a different person. And you have this phrase, I freaking love it. You say, we meditate to get good at life, not to get good at meditation. Fucking brilliant. It's going to be on my tombstone. I'm in branding. Like that's one of the best brand slogans I've seen. And it's, it just nails it. It nails it. So can you explain why that's like, like, why do people have such a block around meditation in the first place? And how does it actually make you good at life? Oh, thank you for appreciating the brilliance of this sentence, because it, it really like on a podcast, I'll, I'll mention it five times. People ask me five different questions and I'll just keep coming back to this one sentence because it, yeah. it encapsulates so much because Unfortunately, because meditation is simple, people think that it is easy and they think that they should magically already know how to do it, but it is a skill, right? Just like anything else, um, you know, presence is a skill. There's nothing more simple than being, right? Presence. And yet it is a skill that we have to practice. We have to see someone that we have to understand our own energy in order to really fully be present. So anyway, because meditation is simple, if people think it's easy, then they think they should magically know how to do it. So they don't take the time to learn a tool. And then what happens is they just pick and choose like what some yoga teacher said or what they heard on some free app or what someone else mentioned as their result of a meditation practice. And they try to implement that as the technique of the practice. So the big thing here is that people think that the point of meditation is to clear the mind. Right. It's even people who've never meditated before 
would go to their grave committed to the fact that meditation means clearing the mind. And it's like, no one cares how many or few thoughts you're having when you're sitting quietly in a chair. And it actually has zero impact on whether or not your life gets better. And I would argue that the point of anything that you're doing should be to make your life better. Sex, relationships, jobs, grocery shopping, like all of the things you're doing, hopefully the net result is your life gets better. But meditation in particular, because I think when, we, when we're confused about the point or the technique or that there are even different styles for monks and the rest of us, then we think, oh, well, the point is to clear my mind. And if I can stop my mind from thinking in a chair, that equals a successful meditation. And then I will have achieved something. What? I don't know. A coma, maybe? Like that's what clearing <laughs> the mind is like. It's a coma. <laughs> so it's like, instead, what we're doing is that we're just giving the body some rest. You're going to have thoughts, just like when you're sleeping, you have thoughts. Thoughts are not the enemy of meditation. Effort is. But what happens in Ziva is that you're giving your body rest that's five times deeper than sleep. And so it's like a supercharged power nap sitting up, but without the sleep hangover. And so even after 15 minutes, it's about the equivalent of an hour-long nap. So on the other side of that meditation, even if you were having thoughts, your metabolic rate slowed, which is the rate with which the body consumes oxygen, your um, heart rate slows and your body temperature cools. And when we give the body this deep rest, when we de-excite the nervous system, then we're more awake on the other side, aka more conscious on the other side. And that improves our performance capabilities. And that's really all we're about at Ziva is improving people's performance capabilities so that you can be a better mother, a better entrepreneur, a better lover, a better whatever you want to do in life. So let's talk about this. Let's break down how exactly that works. 15 minutes of rest, sitting up straight is equivalent to an hour nap without the hangover. How do you accomplish that? What is the Ziva technique? Mm -hmm. So the Ziva technique is a beautiful trifecta of mindfulness meditation and manifesting, right? So the three M's, mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. And where this gets a little confusing for folks is that a lot of people are confusing mindfulness and meditation because most people are using those terms like synonyms when they're not mm -hmm. actually the same thing. Mindfulness, I would define as the art of bringing your awareness into the present moment, being, right? And, and most of the apps, the YouTube videos, the drop-in studios are teaching what I would define as mindfulness, right? And mindfulness is very good at dealing with your stress in the now. Like, oh, I had a crazy day. I did 10 minutes of this guided thing on this app. I feel better in the now. It's a state change. Awesome. Yeah. We use that as the appetizer of the Ziva technique, right? So we use it to help people phase transition between the doing, doing, doing before they get to this deep, restful meditation state, which is the main course of Ziva, right? So the main course of Ziva is this, um, like I said, body's getting rest, metabolic rate is dropping, heart rate is slowing. So you're having both physiological and neurochemical changes within 30 to 45 seconds, your brain starts producing dopamine and serotonin, which are bliss chemicals. Um, and it starts getting rid of the adrenaline and cortisol, which are stress chemicals. So it's not just about sitting down and picturing a waterfall, right? There's actually like legit quantifiable physiological changes that are happening in your body during like the main portion of the Ziva technique. And in that part of the story, we're not focusing, we're not efforting, we're not trying to clear the mind, we're not beating ourselves up for having thoughts. We're simply using a technique that I teach in Ziva online. And one of the things that makes Ziva different from like the apps and everything I just mentioned is that I train people to be self-sufficient. Meaning that once you graduate from my class, you don't need me anymore. You don't need an app or Wi-Fi or gongs or a dude playing drums on your chest. It's just, you just close your eyes and you could do it on a plane 
in an office with your kids in the next room. Um, so it's, um, it's way simpler, like I said, but I would say that the power actually comes from the simplicity. So there's the meditation portion. And then we move on to the dessert course, which is manifesting. The manifesting is like, you know, for like, for the goop crew, it's like, oh, get, let's go, you know, but for my skeptics, they're like, oh, you want me to like watch the secret and dream about my goals? Um, And it's somewhere in between, really. Um, I would define manifesting as consciously creating a life you love. It's you getting intentional about what you want your life to look like. And it's recognizing that you are not a hundred percent in charge. You're not a hundred percent in fatalistic, you know, just whatever's meant is meant either. I believe it's a 50, 50 co-creation. If you look at the human brain, it's 50% left brain, 50% right. Which to me is indicative of this idea that it's 50% individuality and 50% totality. And so for me, the manifesting is just you communicating what you want to nature and listening to how nature would like to use you. So it really is a two-way conversation. And the simplest way to describe it is that manifesting is like placing your order with the cosmic waitress at the cosmic restaurant. And where a lot of us mess this up is that we think we're manifesting. We think we're praying and we're accidentally complaining. Like, why did she get that job and I didn't? That's so well said. Yeah, it's like, why can't I lose this weight? Why don't, why don't I have a boyfriend? And it's like, if you ask shitty questions, you're going to get shitty answers. So instead, we start to ask questions like, how much money would I love to make this year? Where's my dream vacation? How much sex would I want to have in a month? Um, you know, what do I want my relationship with my body to feel like? And you start to ask these questions. You start to live in the dream as if it's happening now. You're programming something called the reticular activating system, which is the filtration device of your brain. You're programming that to start to see the signs and the guides that are going to get you to your dreams because you took the time to enter your dream into the GPS versus just like, I guess I'll just drive around and see what happens and then be mad that I'm not accomplishing any goals that I didn't set, (laughs) which doesn't make sense. I love this so freaking much. By the way, so... I have already decided. So I'm on my podcast, Simply Be Podcast. Every month, we explore an intention. So September was Be Wild. In August, it was Integrity. And October, which is when this show is going to release, I'm going to make it the theme and the intention be clear. I had already decided that. And here we are talking about clearing your mind, clearing the way to your dreams, getting crystal clear in your intentions. This is just so on point with what I'm exploring. And, you know, it's it's kind of magical. And sometimes I even personally get lazy, not just with meditation, but with setting those intentions and having that clarity. Last week was the super new moon in Virgo, which is all about setting intentions. New moons are a really powerful time to set intentions, right? Mm-hmm. And I journaled that morning and I literally set a very clear intention. Probably one of the clearest intentions I had written out in a while. Mm-hmm. And within three hours, something manifested that was in direct alignment. Three hours. I didn't need 28 days of the moon cycle. I know nope. it happened immediately. Yep. And that, that is the magic of what you're teaching and what we're talking about is actually in the simplicity of it, that it we, we really do overcomplicate it. Meditation is absolutely one of those things. But when you apply it into your life, it's so transformational. I speak about it all the time myself and I am not the expert you are. And so I love what you're saying, because I hope people take it and actually run with it. And so let's talk about that. Talk to us about Ziva and the programs and the classes that you've built and how people can gain access to that. Yeah. So 
I'd say, well, certainly in, in pandemic time, our, our most, even before the pandemic, our most popular um, class is called Ziva Online. And I basically took what I was teaching live in person for the first like six, seven years of my career. And I adapted it into this online course. Actually, the first version was the world's first online meditation training. It was before Headspace, before Oprah Chopra. And it was an experiment. Yeah. Like I didn't know if it was going to work or not. Um, but it turns out it did. I've taught al- almost 40,000 people now. Um, which I'm really proud of. Yeah. Thanks. And and then with the book, I think there's about like 60,000 copies of the book and it's been translated into 14 languages, which I'm so stoked about. I want to talk to you about your book. I have a book coming out next year. Oh, good. I'm happy to chat about all the things. Um, So anyway, I took what I was teaching in person and basically people were saying like, this has changed my life so much. My sleep is better. My anxiety is gone. I orgasmed for the first time. I got pregnant at 42 you know, even though my doctor said I wasn't able to have kids, I got a $120,000 scholarship that I didn't apply for. You know, my IBS is gone. I got my period back for the first time. Like I hear this, this is what I all day, I get emails like this all day. And it's so it's the most rewarding part of my job. But I was like, why is this like, this shouldn't be geographic dependent. Like people, everyone deserves the right to have this if they want it. You know what I mean? If they're willing to raise their hand, if they're willing to commit to the training, like I want anyone who wants it to be able to get these tools. So we created this course and then um, we developed the Ziva technique in 2017, actually. And that's the, the trifecta I was talking about, the mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. So the way the course works is that you enroll, you just go to zivameditation.com and you can choose your own start date. So if you're like, I know I want to do this, but I can't start till next week. It's like, great. You get to decide when you start. And then you move through the day. It's a matriculation. So each day's training builds upon the previous day. I hold your hand. I build you up to a 15-minute twice-a-day practice. The first three days is the mindfulness, which we use in two ways. One is to, like I said, phase transition from the doing, doing, doing to the being, being, being. But the other way that we use the mindfulness is to help because there can become like a period of physical and emotional detox that happens when people start the meditation because that stress that we've been accumulating our whole lives, it has to go somewhere. And so as that stress comes up and out, it can be pretty intense. And that's my job as a teacher. It's why I have 12 employees that help all my students move through that physical and emotional detox. We have a really robust community online. We have monthly coaching calls with me once you graduate. So it's not like I just take the course and you're left to your own devices. Like this takes really close knit, very supportive global community. And that's really important to me because because Ziva is so powerful, if you were just to like give an online course and not support anyone, I think it would actually be potentially dangerous, certainly for people who are dealing with extreme depression or anxiety or trauma. Um, So we just build it up very gradually. So anyway, days four four through 12 is where you really dive into the meditation to the effortlessness of it all. Um, And then days 13 through 15 are the manifesting. And that's where you get to really play because what a lot of people don't realize is how much stress is costing them of just how many cycles a day we're spending on fear and doom and gloom and speculation and worry and what if. And then what we're accidentally doing is that we're manifesting. We're bringing all of our fears into reality. And so in this, these three days, we really reprogram the brain to ask those, like I said, those better questions and to imagine them as if they're happening now. So you're actually changing your energetic frequency so that you start to be a match for what you want to call in. And then the idea is that once you graduate from those 15 days, you have a twice a day practice that you can do for the rest of your life. Like my goal is to make self-sufficient meditators. Um, and you can always come back and I do like weekly live meditations and calls and all of that stuff. 
That's amazing. And this is all available on your website. Yeah, you just go to sivameditation.com. It's all there. Incredible. So a couple questions for you. They're selfish questions, but I had Shaman Durek on my show. I don't know if you know who he is. You do? Yeah, I was on his podcast. Yeah, he's amazing. And he said, um, selfish is the new self-love. He told me that last year. And so I just, I take it and I run with that every, every podcast. So I actually trained under TM, mm-hmm. right? I did TM. And I'd love to know the distinction between Ziva and TM. Mm-hmm. I think Vedic is also similar. And my struggle has been keeping up with the twice a day. Like I can hit it in the morning. It's the afternoon that I make, I always make an excuse for. Uh-huh. How do you keep yourself accountable? Yeah, great Great questions. So I'll start with the difference between Ziva and TM. So a lot of people think the TM is like a style of meditation, like Hatha or, um, you know, Anusara or something, but it's actually the name of a company. It's actually the name of a multinational organization. And so um, that's an organization. They are teaching what I would define as meditation. And they're teaching with just meditation, which is awesome. And they've taught millions of people. And I'm so grateful to them. They've really, I think, changed the trajectory of spirituality on the planet, which is amazing. Um, whereas at Ziva, we teach this beautiful trifecta, the mindfulness, the meditation, and the manifesting. And the reason why I developed the Ziva technique was that I realized after six years of teaching is that meditation alone is not enough. And it's for exactly the thing that you're experiencing. You're not prioritizing that second sitting, right? And then it slips by the wayside. And if you don't do the second sitting, you start to get into a maintenance program. And then you're not really seeing the return on investment. Your life is getting, it's okay, but it's not really like, whoa, it's not like, you're not seeing this this huge return on investment if you're only doing once a day and then it becomes a chore and then it's something you feel guilty that you're not doing and the next thing you know, you quit. All the things, yeah. And I, I saw this happen, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times. And I was like, and so I just started asking deeper questions. Like what's really going on? Like why? Because we're never too busy to meditate. That's just an excuse. That's what we tell ourselves. I don't have time. I'm too busy. That's the surface reason. It's never the real reason. And so I started interviewing my students, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. What's going on? Like, why didn't you start? Why did you quit? What was the obstacle? And like, what's underneath that? Like what really, really, really. And what I realized is two things. One, we'll talk about the time piece, but really when people start a meditation practice and quit, what's happening 98% of the time is that they're scared of really feeling their feelings. And so when you go into a practice like this, it cannot help but ring you out. And there becomes a healing catharsis and a purge. And if you don't have the tools or the support to really navigate your way through that, then the, the normal human tendency is to protect yourself. And you're like, nope, I'm good. I'm, I'm too busy. Um, but if you, and that's how we use the mindfulness is like a salve to get present, to actually lean into the intensity of the pain, to lean into the intensity of the healing when that um, healing catharsis happens for most and to warn people too. Like a lot of meditation teachers are not warning people that this is part of the process. And then people think they're doing something wrong. If they're feeling panicky or anxious, or if they're feeling sad or tired, they think, Oh no, the meditation isn't working. And none of us will do anything for very long that we feel like we're failing at. And so I probably overwarn and overprepare and over equip my students to handle that period of, of purging. Cause at the end of the day, this is a purification process. That's all meditation is doing. It's purifying your physiology so that you can come back to your birthright, which is 24 hour a day bliss. That's your birthright. Everything else is stress. Um, but if you don't, if you're not given that frame, right? If you're not given that context, and if you're not taught how to actually celebrate that release, then the mind cannot help but think like, oh, well, I have to get a pedicure and I have to go to this and I have to get my kids. And, and it just comes up with all the reasons to not feel the feelings. 
because we've been trained since infancy to not feel our feelings. You know, don't cry, have a bottle. Don't cry, have a cookie. Don't cry, have a toy. And the meditation makes the feeling non-negotiable. So anyway, I would say that part of that resistance, I, that's why I developed the Ziva technique. So we solve for some of that. And then the other piece is that I just, because I teach high performers, like I've taught Oscar, Grammy, Tony, Emmy, award winners, Olympians, NBA players, CEOs. So like, this is just who I work with. And they're not meditating because they have a lot of extra time, right? They're doing <laughs> it because they know they can get more done in less time. And that's basically what the entire book is about. It's all the science behind why you're going to get more done in less time. And that's just, I just wanted to practically obliterate the time excuse from everyone's vernacular to just make it like a no brainer. Like if you're busy, you can't afford not to meditate. All right, my friends, I have a confession to make. This isn't something that I talk about very openly, but since it's simply be, we're all about being real, authentic and vulnerable. I'll go first. I suffer from anxiety. I have pretty much low-grade anxiety that I deal with and I live with every single day. And at times, oftentimes, it's extreme anxiety to the point of it being quite crippling. And I have not on medication. I haven't turned to that as an option. It's just a personal choice for myself. Although I 100% respect whatever decision is right for you in your life, in your body, and your well-being. Personally, I turn to more holistic modalities. I've picked up meditation, which has helped tremendously. I obviously see my therapists and coaches and that helps. I lean on books. I lean on chanting, music. It all helps, right? It's all part of the toolkit. And one of the tools that I have found as of recently that I am so deeply grateful for is Organifi Gold. Organifi Gold chocolate specifically. And I've just been introduced to Organifi Gold pumpkin because it's in season right now. And what it is are these powders that I mix in with warm oat milk Every night before bed, I've come up with a blend of chocolate and pumpkin. It's unbelievably tasty. It's like actually the most delicious thing I've ever had. But what makes it really magical is what's inside, which is reishi mushroom, which is an adaptogen that helps calm the brain and balance nerves and helps with anxiety. Magnesium, lemon balm, coconut milk, cinnamon, turkey tail mushroom, which is a huge immunity booster, which I don't know about you guys, but COVID and getting sick and the fear of that also adds to my anxiety. So it's sort of a two for one getting the anxiety benefit and the immunity boost in one cup. And I really, really believe in this product. I take it at night and I am so calm. I am so chill. I sleep so beautifully and I wake up feeling more grounded. It is really one of the most amazing products I've ever, ever found. And I want to hook you guys up with it. So if you head on over to Organifi.com backslash Simply Be or use code Simply Be at checkout, you're not only going to get 15% off, but if you order the Golden Trio, which is a three pack of Organifi Gold plus Organifi Gold Chocolate plus Organifi Gold Pumpkin, you get it all in one bundle. You're going to get a free frother, which is amazing. I blend mine up, but... I drink them frothy every night. It totally makes them that much more amazing. If you order that golden trio between October 15th and October 29th, they're going to throw in a free frother because like me, 
they're nice like that. Thank you so much for letting me share so vulnerably as always. And now let's get back to the show. What's a day in the life of you? I love to know this. I mean, you're the master, you're the creator of Ziva. What does your morning routine look like? What, how do you find those 15 minutes in the afternoon? I love details. So break it down for us. Great. So I wake up, I've been waking up recently around like six or seven, but not by choice. If, if left to my own devices, I would like to wake up at eight or eight 30. Like I like to sleep in. It was like, you can't take the Broadway out of me. Like I'm really left to my own devices. I would sleep two to 10, which is not healthy and not recommended, but that's what I would love. But now I have a two-year-old son. And so that's not really an option. So I wake up around like, say, seven or eight-ish. And if I wake up at seven, right now what I'm doing is I'll lay in bed and I'll actually play some sort of inspirational something. Like I've been listening to some Joe Dispenza, like guided manifestations. And people think like, and I love Joe Dispenza. I think he's very smart. And I've been reading his books. And I think he's, I think he's one of the ma- most masterful manifesting teachers out there. My only point of clarification that I want to share with people is that what he is doing, I would not call meditation. He calls them meditations, but they're usually like 45 minute to an hour long of him guiding you through visualizing some sort of a dream, right? Which I would call manifesting. So I think they're great, but I think that the combination of Ziva and his guided manifestations is like fire. So, but I think people get confused if they're like, thinking that that's supposed to be meditation and then Ziva's meditation. And they're like, wait, well, which one is it? So I would say Ziva is like the meditation portion is like, that's where you're accessing source energy. It's where you're de-exciting everything. It's where you're reminding yourself that you're actually God pretending to be human. And if you do that first and then manifest from there, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So anyway, I'll wake up. If I wake up early, I listen to some Joe Dispenza, maybe some Abraham Hicks, because my next book is going to be on manifesting. And so I'm just trying to learn from the greats right now and just absorb everything that's out there. Um, and I'm in a huge phase of personal transformation and shifting right now. So I'm just wanting to like really be conscientious of my inputs. So then around like eight, I'll get up. I do some tongue scraping, which is to get the ama off your tongue, to get the toxicity from the night out of your system. I will brush my teeth, have some water, and then I meditate. So I meditate for about 22 minutes in the morning. And and then I'll do a workout like four-ish times a week. I've just started getting very, very... like I hired a trainer for the first time in my life, um, which I'm meeting with twice a week. So that's great. And then I will... My son wakes up at like 8.30 or 9. So then I'll hang out with my son from like 9 to 10 usually. And I start work at 10. I work from 10 to 7. And then I'll break up in between meetings or podcasts or whatever. I'll find a window to meditate, usually like between like one and four-ish, just depending on my schedule. And then at seven, I leave work and I go and hang out with my son. I'll make dinner. I'll take him to the park. And we hang out from like seven to 10-ish. He goes to bed pretty late for a two-year-old. Um, and then by 10.30, he's usually out. And then I have like, let's say an hour, an hour and a half to call my friends or keep working or... <laughs> Right? <laughs> Me time, like from 10 30 to like midnight. It's like an amazing day. Really I is. It. It's such a great You're, life. So, what's so beautiful about your story and your message and your brand is that it's so applicable and approachable. And you don't, yes, you speak the spiritual speak, and so do I. I mean, I'm super woo, and everyone who listens to my show knows that. Mm-hmm. But I also am. A businesswoman and a lot of people listening on the show aren't as potentially spiritual, but have more of the business inclination. And this is such a masterful tool that you can apply to 
life. You don't have to be spiritual for this stuff to, to work. It's extremely practical. I do have a quick question about the 15 minute afternoon meditation, since that's the one that I struggle with. Yeah. Do you set yourself a timer? Do you block it out in your schedule? Like, how do you create that non-negotiable time every day? So good question. So first of all, you have to decide whether or not you're going to make it a priority. Like you have to really sit with yourself and be like, is this a priority for me or not? And if it's not, then quit the game, quit the guilt, take it off the to-do list and just stop pretending like you meditate twice a day. And just be okay with a maintenance program and know that you're in a maintenance program and that's okay. You know? Um, And so I'd say that's step one. But if you're like, no, I know that I get a return on investment. I know this is worth my time. I want to do the twice a day. I'm willing to commit. Then you have to sit with that. You have to make a real promise to yourself. And and here's a prom. Here's a terrible promise. I'm going to meditate more. No, you're not. (laughs) No, you're not. Um, Here's a good promise. I'm going to meditate twice a day, every day this week. And on any day I don't meditate, I can't have wine. Or any day I miss meditation, I can't get on Instagram. Any day I can't, I don't meditate, I can't watch Tiger King or whatever your addiction is, right? Like go, go after your vices. Okay. And anything that you, anything that's keeping you from your greatness, like attack that and come after that and make a real promise with a specific timeline and a specific consequence. It's not a punishment. It's a consequence. And your consequence might be that I'll give my partner a back massage or something. It's like no one loses in that equation. It's not a punishment, but it's something that keeps you honest. And then I would recommend writing it down or having some sort of accountability buddy or coach or something that you check in with. So, oh, the other thing I forgot about my morning routine is that every morning and every night I I email like I'm in this like circle of witches and we all play these like manifesting games. And so every six weeks we have like a game. And every morning I, I, I design my whole day and I email it and I, I write it out as if it's done. I'm like, rock this podcast. 300 people signed up for Zebo online, had the best workout ever, had this conversation was amazing, had magical emails in, Oprah called. Um, you know, like you just write it down as if it's done. And then at the end of the night, you, wrote, you go back to the same email and you write back, like, yes, yes, no, on the way, yes. So you have to be accountable to what you said was going to happen. And we do that every single day, every morning, every night. Um, so anyway, that's been a real game changer as far as the manifesting goes. Um, I'm stealing that. Yeah, you should. That's, that's genius. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so incredibly powerful because it's, it's the power of putting it out into the universe and the universe yeah, doesn't. You're placing the order. You're making the promise. You're accountable to someone else. And you can't just be like, I'm going to make a billion dollars today because you have to report back and be like, well, no, I actually made a, I made like $67 today. <laughs> You know, so it's like, you're not going to be outlandish if you know you have to report back, but you're gonna, but the point is to keep stretching. Um, And it's like, you're prioritizing, right? And you're programming that particular activating system. I mean, there's just, there's so much magic in it that it's, it's ridiculous. Like last six weeks, like I just joined this group, I got invited to join and and it's a contest. Um, And so I was like, I'm winning. (laughs) In my own mind, I would have won. I'm quite competitive. So once you make the decision, like I'm going to commit to that second one, and then you make whatever your promise is, then I would sit down and look at your schedule for the next 18 days and be like, okay, well, I have a podcast at two and my next one is at 4.15. So I actually have a 30 minute window. So I'm going to meditate and then I have 10 minutes for lunch. So I better prepare that this morning. And so it's really, if you only have 30 minutes free in your day, great. Well, 15 minutes is meditation, five is peeing and the, I have 10 minutes to eat and then I'm back yeah. to work. But we can't get into this like, oh, I'm finished with work. Let me like scroll through Instagram for 12 minutes. And oh, now I only have eight minutes left. It's like, no, no. You have to prioritize it. 
Yeah. You know, it's really ironic about something that you said. I loved the idea of like giving yourself kind of an accountability, like to nix a vice or give yourself a reward. And you mentioned wine, Instagram, Tiger King, right? Which are things that we do to be frank, to numb ourselves Mm -hmm. and to diminish our presence and consciousness to some degree. And when you meditate, when I'm on a meditation kick, I find that my desire to be on social media and drink wine and honestly, the things you mentioned, anything that kind of lowers my vibration goes out the window because I'm so full and I'm so clear and I don't have that level of anxiety to like dis- disconnect from my feelings, right? Mm-hmm. Meditation actually has the, you might not want to do those things after you meditate to your point of giving yourself like a vitamin. I love that you threw that in there. It's a really good point because all of those things are just, they're, they're actually ineffective band-aids. They're ineffective tools that aren't actually accomplishing the main goal, which is accessing bliss. It's short-term pleasure versus long-term bliss. And when you're meditating, you are flooding your brain with dopamine and serotonin, which are bliss chemicals. And it doesn't just last while you're meditating. It starts to last for hours and hours throughout the day, which impacts every decision that you make. It impacts your level of intuition. It impacts your level of creativity. It actually over time can improve your IQ by up to 12 points. You can, I mean, it's you're healing your endocrine system, which changes your hormones. And, and to your point, it's like people don't even, when you're swimming in stress and everyone around you is swimming in stress, you can't even see it. It's like the fish can't see the water because it's, it's so admired in it. But then because we're so stressed, we start looking to these ineffective tools to alleviate the stress, which actually cause more suffering. And so that's why I just cannot overemphasize the value of this practice like not only in the near-term physiological benefits, but in your decision-making, in the less fights that you have with your partner, in the more patience you have with your kids, in like having less sick days over time. Like I actually did the math on what the average American spends on coffee, alcohol, cigarettes, pot, therapy, and um, sleeping pills, anti-anxiety, and antidepressants. And the average American spends $11,800 a year on those things. And that's just a year. Talk about five years, talking about almost $60,000 versus you pay for one meditation class. You do it one time. It's 15 minutes for 15 days. You have this tool to take with you for life. You're literally saving just monetarily hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's not just like, I'm not just being hyperbolic. That's, that's the math. It's honestly why I want to get people like you on my show. Cause this is like the good word about a new earth and that we don't have to live the way that we've been matrixed to live, mm-hmm. that there are really more accessible tools that tap us into, to use your language, Emily, your God-given right to live in bliss 24-7. Fucking right. love that. And one so, thing I just want to highlight is that bliss is not the same thing as happiness. Okay. I'm not suggesting that you're going to be happy 24 hours a day, sadness and jealousy and rage and loneliness. Like all of those are part of the human experience too. Bliss is that background knowingness. Bliss is that piece of you that knows that everything's okay. And it's possible to experience bliss even on the full spectrum of human emotion. Love it. Amen. I want to talk about, I want to transition to your brand because I love your platform. I love your look. I love your messaging. Let's start with Ziva. What does that mean? Where did you come up with the name? Yeah. So... 
Ziva is a Sanskrit word that means bliss, and it's a Hebrew name that means one who is radiant or kind. And so like bliss, kindness, and radiance are really common side effects of meditation. And it actually came to be during a meditation when I was in my teacher training and I was like wanting to like do my website and kind of start the ball rolling on the company. Even while I was still in training, I was in a meditation one day and I just thought, you know, Sanskrit word for bliss. And so I looked it up online and there's actually 14 different words in Sanskrit that mean bliss. And one of them was Ziva and that one jumped out at me. And then I looked up Ziva and I saw that it was this feminine Hebrew name. And I was like, ah, yes, that just felt really great. Um, and like I said, in the beginning, I was just teaching live, you know, in New York, I still have a studio in Soho that's just sitting there empty. If anyone's looking for a sublet, call me. <laughs> um, and, and then, like I said, I developed the Ziva technique in 2017, really as a, as a response to people who were starting and quitting, you know, and I just didn't understand like how you could get the keys to the kingdom and put them down. Like it just was like beyond my comprehension. And so I was like, I got to this seems like a problem worth solving to me. And that's how the Ziva technique was born. Um, and then I forget the rest of the question. Like, which is how do we develop the brand? Yeah, I want to know. Tell us about your brand, the look and the feel, the messaging, how you built it. And then let's talk about your team and your business and yeah. how you run. Okay. So the brand is really just sort of like an extension of of me. It's just I. Yeah. It's just what I like. It's like, oh, I think this is pretty. And I like this. And it... Um, like this just feels evocative of how meditation makes me feel, or this is the feeling that I want people to have when they come into the space, when they come to the website. And, and it was always sort of like anti-woo-woo. And I'm, I'm very conscious of not moving because I feel like, especially in this political climate, people are only moving away from the negative and we really need to be moving towards the positive. We need to be talking about policies that we agree with, about politicians that we support um, versus, you know, all press is good press. If you're only talking about no, no, anti, anti, you're just giving it more, more weight. Um, but because meditation, especially when I started, was so fringe. Like if you Google meditation NYC, when I started Ziva, it was like a bunch of monks and me. So I was like the accessible option back then. Now you could just download a million free apps. So the whole landscape has really changed. And so I've had to be conscientious of that. Whereas just by default, I was the really relatable, accessible you know, person because I wasn't telling you to go to a cave for five years, or I wasn't telling you how to shave your head or become a vegetarian or change your whole life. So I was accessible, but now as the market has changed and it's just like when people, when you say meditation to most people, they think, oh, is it headspace or calm? Like, right. like which free app are you doing? And, um, and, and interestingly, there's 48 million, this has probably changed a bit, but approximately 48 million downloads of those two apps, the free downloads and 1 million paid users, which suggests to me that there's 47 million people out there looking for a meditation practice. Right, like yeah. looking for something to really commit to. Um, so yeah, the brand, the aesthetic of it is just like it's really just like what I like. And and my team is amazing. Um, there's a woman named Allie on my team and she runs social and very much helped me design the website. We hired a company that helped us sort of like templatize it. And then um she and I went through and sort of created the aesthetic. Also, Laura on my team is our director of operations. She was a photography major and she happens to be a stunning photographer. So a lot of the photography on there is her work which just goes to like, you know, the key to running any company is hiring well. Um, Absolutely. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. So we have seven full-time employees and, and five part-time employees. And of our full-time, we have um, head of marketing, which is Liz, who's amazing. Um, we have Laura, who I just mentioned, she's our director of operations. 
um, Ali runs social media and marketing. And then we have Mark is our video editor. Setlana is our um, engineer. So she does all the web development. And we have um, Jason, uh, who is our CTO and CFO. And he's really helped with like strategy and hiring our engineer. And he runs all of the, you know, budget and, um, you know, all, all of that, all the logistics. And then we have Tali, who is my executive assistant. And she was the studio manager, but now we don't have a studio. So she's been doing um, more customer service as well. And then we have five customer service employees, which are amazing, but they're, they're part-time and they're all over the country. And they're like just long-time Ziva meditators who love it. And their job is really to be in our Facebook groups, to be answering the emails and taking really good care of people as they move through this meditation journey. What are your favorite parts of being a CEO and your least favorite parts? Mm. I think my favorite part is the team. Like I feel, especially when we could meet in person, like our, we would have these full day work, like we would come together one day a week and do these work sessions. And it was just so fun. Like we would laugh so much and we really genuinely like respect each other and and appreciate each other's feedback. I'm definitely someone who likes to collaborate. Like I rarely have the best idea in the room. And so I want to hear everybody's ideas. And I, I like to make collaborative decisions. You know, some people work in a very different way. Like when I write a book, like it was a team sport. It was me and my agent and my ghostwriter. And I think some people are weird about saying they have a ghostwriter, but to me, it was just like, she was a collaborator. Like she took my lectures. She sat on my class. I would give her transcriptions of my lectures, but then she would help me script it into something that would turn the page and then I would heavily edit it. And so, but I love that like collaborative process, um, which was great. And so that was my favorite part. My least favorite part is, I think it's like reviews, like employee reviews. I really had to fire one person, but firing someone was awful. I would call myself a recovering codependent, but it's a, I recently discovered this addiction that I, that I am, I am a codependent. And I've been working really hard to um, shift that behavior. And codependency, for those of you who didn't know, which I didn't really know, it's when you prioritize other people's happiness above your own. And the way that showed up for me was a conflict avoidance. Like I would do anything rather than have a conflict. And, and it's just like, then you create more suffering for you, more suffering for the person versus just having the conversation. And you can be direct and honest without being mean. And so that's been just like a superpower that I'm... It feels like a superpower because it's so scary for me, but I think I'm kind of catching up to what most people would just consider, consider like an adult conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on all of those levels as a CEO myself. And I love that your answer to what you love the least and love the most is actually the, at the crux is people. Mm-hmm. Like people of running. I love running a team and creating that energy and building those relationships. And then on the flip side is also people and managing and navigating those relationships when they get difficult totally. which is because it's business. And, yes. and it just, and it, no one really teaches you how to be a strong leader and an effective communicator and a, you know, disciplinarian and business and the, the idea of radical candor, which is actually a book that I make my whole entire company read. Her name is Kim Scott who wrote it. You should read it. Yes. Radical candor. candor. It changed my life. That book changed my life as a leader and taught me how to have difficult conversations. And it's kind of what you do a lot as a CEO is just put out some fires and, and have those hard conversations. And I, I think that you laid that out so perfectly. And I so feel you on 
all of those levels. Thank you for that recommendation. I'm excited. Is it on audio too, or just? It's on, and I, yes. And I actually listened to her on Audible and I listened, she read her own book and something about listening to her voice and her message and her lessons was really, really powerful. Speaking of books, Emily, can we transition to talk about your book really quick? Yeah. So it's okay. called Stress Less, Accomplish More is the name of the book. And then, yeah. What do you want to know? Well, first of all, you said you, who's your, book, who's your publisher? Uh, HarperCollins. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And you sold 60,000 copies of it, which is ridiculous. In the first year. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. How, how, I'm, I'm asking another selfish question because my book's coming out next year with Macmillan. Congratulations. What, thank you. What have been, and I think you'll love my book. It's called B, B-E, period. Yes. How to yeah. unlock your beingness as a secret sauce to success and self-worth and net worth and all of the things that yes. you need to, to have in your life. I would love to know is, you know, we, we, we circle into the ends of our conversation, just a couple of your best tips and tricks on how to have a successful book launch. So one is know that you will sell every single copy of the book yourself. Your publisher will not do anything. So Uh you just, this is not their job. They print the book. They print the book. They give you the advance. They get you into the bookstores. That's their job. You will sell every single copy of your book. Um, And just own that. Don't be mad about it. Just know that that is the reality. Um, I've heard that from every author. Yeah. Um, the other thing, and that includes like all your press, all your marketing, like you will be, you will be in charge of all of that. Um, I, I hired a PR company. So I hired Stanton and company. We just hired a new PR company called narrative group to help us. So we're about to launch Ziva kids. So I've been working on a kid's course for the past two years. It's coming out in January. I'm so excited about it. Like it will be the world's best meditation training for kids four to 14. We worked with folks from Sesame Street. We built a whole puppet. We consulted from Harvard child psychologists. Dr. Shafali is a consultant on it. So I mean, that's going to be mega. Um, but anyway, we hired a PR team, which we hired them, I think, for six months. So that was all leading up to the book launch, six months prior to pub date. And um, the other thing is that I was pregnant. So I, my son was seven months old when my book published, which means that I was on maternity leave six months prior to the book coming out, which means that we had to start about a year and a half beforehand on the marketing. We started our marketing plan a year and a half before pub date because I was going to have two months off of maternity leave. And so that was really great because it allowed us to just get the whole like nervous system ready. And that includes you got to figure out like who your affiliates are, who your ambassadors are, like who your influencers are what your media connections are, what your ask is of everyone, what your ask is of your list, what your ask is of your podcast listeners, and know that the game... Because I was trying to play the New York Times game, which that means that all of your books sold in pre-sale and the first week of publishing, that's what, it's, that's what gets you on the Times. It's, it has nothing to do... Week two, doesn't matter. Um, and for most first-time authors, you're not going to sell as many books in your second week to get... You're not going to sell enough to get you on the Times list. So that's why you use that whole pre-sale period because you have months to get people to buy books and that, that plus what you sell in the first week. So we just went really hard and just every podcast I did for like six or seven months, I was like, please don't release this. Please don't release this. Hold on to this until February. So I had probably 50 to 70 podcasts that dropped in my pub week. Like so in the week before and the week of, 
um, they just, so it was just like, and so in the 48 hours that the book came out, I was on Mark Hyman, Jim Quick, Aubrey Marcus, and Dave Asprey, which is like four of like, and Max Lugavere, which is like five of the most popular health podcasts. That came out in five in, tw- in 48 hours. And that like got us up on the Amazon list. So we got to number seven out of all books on Amazon. So it was next to like Michelle Obama's Becoming and Marie Kondo's Tidying Up. And so we were like, to make top 10 out of Amazon is like a B- BFD. Um, yeah. And that was really, the, that was based on podcasts. So, and it was the timing of the podcasts. Um, so that was just, it was just a, a year and a half of like very strategic, very, of like asking for favors, like calling in favors from people that I had helped and supported my whole career. And then being very strategic about what the ask was and when they were releasing. Because if had I done those 70 podcasts and they just, I just let them release whenever they wanted to, it wouldn't have had the same impact. Also, we threw two parties. We threw a massive launch party in New York, which I basically produced like an off-Broadway show. And so uh-huh. I had like 170 of my friends and students and influencers and other entrepreneurs in the room. And they were tweeting and sharing and Instagramming. And so it was like a thing. Um, there was a real event. And I also had my whole team like on the day of pub when we were getting ready for the party. Like I had all my work studies, all my customer service team, my, all my employees. And they were in my Facebook, like messaging, individually messaging every single of my like 5,000 Facebook friends to be like, Hey, today's the day. If you want to share about it, here you go. So it was just like an extraordinary amount of work. And PS, I was breastfeeding every three hours <laughs> through the night, 24 hours a day. There's a footage on Instagram of me like pumping while I'm signing books backstage of the launch party. <laughs> like I was an insane person. You kind of have to be when it comes to your book launch. I mean, I've mm-hmm. heard that from so many people. And for the record, Emily, thank you. You just gave me a masterclass on what I what I need to do. That's one of the most granular layouts of what's to come and how to do it that I've heard. And I just want to thank you so much. I mean, you gave that to me, but I have a lot of people on the line that are aspiring authors or are authors as well. So mm-hmm. I so appreciate that. I just learned like so much. That was yeah. amazing. I'm so glad. And then the other thing I'll say is that I just signed with a new literary agent and they said something really wise in the interview process. And she said that basically like once you figure out who's on your team, like once you know exactly who's on your team from your imprint at Macmillan and who your age, who's on your team at your agency. And then if you hire a PR firm, like who exactly is going to be on your team, not who's at the PR firm, but who's on your team. And then you just make a list of those people and who's on your employee team. And you look at like, okay, well, these are the eight people that we have on this project. And you treat that like its own company. And then you're like, okay, well, she's really good at this. And she has this connection. And this person knows this person. And you just, you let go of titles and who's supposed to do what and who's at what company. And you're like, this is the book team. And this is how we're going to get to the goal. The other thing to know is you've got to clarify what your goal is. Because if you... My goal was to make the New York Times. We did not make the New York Times, which was devastating to me. However, books sold, I would have been number five. If the books, if they had just gone by numbers, I should have been number five on the New York Times list. I did make USA Today. We did make Publishers Weekly. Um, but I was playing that game. Some people play a different game. They don't care about the New York Times. They're like, my chances are so slim. I'm not even going to stress myself out about that. I really want this book to be a lead gen for my online course. Or I want this book to get more people on my email list. So like, just you got to clarify what your goal is and make sure yeah. you're playing the right game for the right goal. It's so true. It, it's, you mentioned at the top of, the, of our conversation that it's a calling card and it really does put you on the map and gets your message out to more people and establishes you as the expert and the thought leader in a way that kind of nothing can besides a book. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in many ways, that is actually my ultimate goal with mine. 
But who doesn't want to make a list? Who doesn't want to sell a lot of copies and have that as a win? So I just I just so value your your share because that was that was gold. And I'm six months out and I hired the team, a PR team. I've got my book staff in place mm-hmm. and I put a lot of resources into it and we're planning it all right now, kind of like at that critical go time. Yeah. So this is so, so helpful. So, yeah. so helpful. Thank you. Yeah, and why don't you tell everyone where to go buy your book? Because it takes a fucking village. And yeah. you put so much work into making it a success. So let's have the yeah. whole Simple Society buy your book. Yes. Tell us, so, tell so the book is called you. Stress Less, Accomplish More by Emily Fletcher. I, I did read the Audible. I'm very proud of the Audible. If you listen to the sample, it's the dude that does the intro, but I'm the one that reads the book, which I'm, I think it, you know, I used to be a voiceover actress and a Broadway singer. So like, I'm very happy with the Audible. Um, so you can get on Amazon, you can get on Audible, you can get on Kindle. I actually think if you're Amazon Prime on Kindle right now, it's free. So if you're a Prime member and a Kindle, you can just get the whole thing for free. And I do teach a technique in the book. It's not as powerful as what I teach in Ziva Online. But Chapter 8, you do learn the mindfulness, the meditation, and the manifesting. But the book is very much like the first part is all the science behind why it's going to reverse your body age and give you better sex and help you make more money and improve your immune system. And then the second part is teaching the technique. And then the third part is examining the ripple effect of how it's going to make your life better, your family's life better, the world better, which is ultimately like, you know, what we're all here to do is leave this place a little better than we found it. True that. And so to that end, Emily, I would love to ask you my final question I ask every guest, which is what do the words simply be mean to you? Mm. It feels like trust, leaning back into yourself and remembering that you're God pretending to be human. Thank you. Truth. Truth. Absolutely. That's what I have it on my wrist. And it, that is, yeah, that's where it came from. The tattoo came before the business. And, um, I could not agree with you more. And what a life-changing shift that is when we make that realization. You're amazing. You're Thank you. Amazing. So You're are you. I'm like, we're going to be friends. Like, when are we meeting yeah. in person? We got to hang I'm, out. This is my favorite part about having a podcast is meeting the most incredible people and building yeah. friendships and relationships. It's just it's such a, it's just like the best net effect that I didn't even think about going into starting a podcast. I'm like, I get to just meet all of these epic people that are doing the work and spreading the light. And now we are each other's friends and know each other. It's just where do you live? I'm in Chicago. Oh, that's right. You said that. You said that. Yeah. Come visit New York. I want to, I, I want to, I literally, I was there in February for business right before the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. and I will get back. I've been keeping tabs. I have so many friends that live there. And I love to hear what you said at the beginning that Brooklyn's come alive again. And it feels really good here now. Don't believe the tweets. It's, it's more radiant than ever. New Yorkers are resilient and innovative and it feels like Europe, everyone's biking and eating outdoors and having birthday parties in parks. And it's awesome. Yeah. I don't believe any of the tweets. It's it's awesome. But you're not. You're everything. You're amazing. Where can Thanks. people find you? Like, tell them the things, the websites, okay. the social. 
Yeah. So the best place to go, especially if they want to enroll in Ziva online is just zivameditation.com. So it's Z-I-V-A meditation.com. And um, everything is there. There's also, if you like, oh, I think this sounds cool. And I think she sounds great, but what if it's crap? Like you can actually enroll in the first three days of the course for free. I just gift you the first three days of the training. And then you get to see the back end and the user interface and how elegant it all is. And then, you know, you can make a decision as to whether or not you want to move on and finish the course. Um, so there's zivameditation.com and then we're all over social. It's just at Ziva Meditation on Instagram and Facebook. And then I'm going live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. I have been since March. Mm-hmm. So I do these um, global meditations every Tuesday and I give a lecture as well. Um, and that happens on Instagram and in, in our Facebook group. Thank you so much for being on my show. Mm-hmm. I think the listeners are going to get so much out of this episode. There was so much juiciness and inspiration and directions for and information about how to make your life blissful. And that is that is really our birthright, like you said. We all deserve that. And I'm so just so grateful. This is gonna be such an incredible episode. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for creating it. And good luck with the book. And if I can be a support, just let me know. I'm happy to help. I will the chills. You I'm gonna re-listen to my, this episode myself personally, selfishly, to take notes on all the yeah. shit you said at the end of how to launch a successful book congratulations to you on everything that you are doing and likewise if there's anything i can ever do to support you in any way please let me know thank you oh hey it's me again if you loved this podcast please subscribe rate and review and if you leave a review don't forget to screenshot it dm it to me over on instagram at jessica's wike i respond to everybody to get the private Spotify playlist of the month inspired by the monthly B intention. And don't forget to follow me at Jessica Zweig and at Simply B Agency on IG and check out jessicazweig.com and simplybeagency.com for more info on my upcoming book launch, our work, and how to become a part of the Simply B Society. And speaking of the Simply Be Society, as a listener of the show, you're officially invited to join our private Facebook group exclusively for the podcast, where you can connect with a community of like-minded, badass lightworkers, all on a mission to build their brands, up-level their lives, and expand their souls by stopping all the doing and start simply being. You'll find the link to it all in the episode show notes. Until next week, my friend, have a beautiful, bright, sunny, yellow week.